Welcome back to our website. This is Warren Berkeley. I'm with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. We're going to visit a mountain together. Back in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 18, you may have heard of it before. It's called Mount Carmel. In 1 Kings 18, here is the background. There was this aggressive and open conflict between two men, Elijah and Ahab. Now, this wasn't just a clash of personalities, a debate, or ordinary rivalry between two men. There was something higher at the center of this conflict. Elijah is a chosen spokesman for God. Ahab is, well, here's what the Bible says about Ahab. In 1 Kings 16.30, And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So here are these two men on these pages of Old Testament history. And that brings us to this striking, dynamic confrontation on Mount Carmel. We're going to read now. Pause the recording and get your Bible if you need to. We're going to be reading from 1 Kings 18, verses 20 through 40. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bowl and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made, and at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud. For he is a God, either he is musing or busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. 
Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. So, the war between good and evil, between God and no God, came to this dramatic confrontation we've just read. And as we revisit this narrative of what happened on Mount Carmel, I want us to consider these three points of learning. One, this was a time for the people to make a clear choice, a definitive decision. You'll hear Elijah say to the people, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? He goes on to say, if the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. It may be with many people, comfort is found in not making clear choices that need to be made, just limping between two opinions. Now, this is false comfort. There is, in reality, no comfort in not making a vital decision, refusing to make a necessary choice. But this happens with many people confronted with a life choice, but just limping between two opinions. Yes, there are matters of opinion about which we may have no immediate obligation, but in the time of Elijah and Ahab, the choice under consideration was no neutral matter, not a case where there was little or no consequence. This was about God or no gods, God or Baal. Baal was not real. Baal was not deity, did not create man, had no power or authority, an imaginary God with no existence. Elijah said, if the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. And it says the people did not answer him a word. 
no clear life choices at that point made by these people. And I think there are people who go through life never really deciding about the ultimate reality of the Creator. There are certainly atheists. There are agnostics who say they cannot know for sure. There are many who just refuse to think in terms of any ultimate reality or deity, wrapped up completely in earthly matters. Their only choice about ultimate reality, accountability, and eternity is to make no choice. Ask some people about God, and they are indifferent to the question. When confronted, like those Elijah addressed, they do not answer, and no answer is actually an answer. Each one of us must grapple with this and make a choice for life. Perhaps those listening to me have made that choice, the good choice. You know there is a God in heaven and you've committed yourself to him. You have no interest in false gods or idols. You live in the world, but you know you will not be here forever. So you faced the ultimate reality that there is a God and you are living by that according to his will. Many blessings here and in the future come into your life if you have made the choice to believe in God and obey his son. There will be times in life when we need to renew that good choice and realign and reorient ourselves in the direction of God and his glory and his authority over us. And we should use the gospel of Christ to lead people to make their choice, to give up what is false or powerless or transitory and affirm the reality of God and not limp between what is real and what is false. Second point, this history in 1 Kings 18 is one of those cases where we are reminded that life isn't about numbers. Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I even, I only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. One to 450. Do you know all some people do about religion is count? No serious objective Bible reading and study, no personal effort to learn about Jesus Christ and respond to him, little or no interest in what the apostles of Christ said and what is written in the New Testament. I tell you, all some people do about religion is count. Where is the biggest church? Where's most of the money? What preachers have the largest following? It's almost like you take a vote or count in your head about your church involvement rather than open the Bible and see what God has said. But counting is entirely and essentially a human measure. It just tells you how many people are here and how many people are there. That doesn't tell you anything about God, about his will, about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yet, Many make their choices about religion based on nothing but numbers, size, popularity, and crowds. Someone told me not long ago that with all the live stream preaching, you can browse and search and finally locate 
the best-looking preacher with the best-quality video stream. It seems sometimes like people are using all kinds of values and criteria and preferences other than the valuable truth of God and His Word. But in the days of Noah, in the days of John the Baptist, in the days of Elijah, and around the cross of our Lord, there were only a few. Elijah said to the people, this is a time to make personal choices, and this is the time to ignore numbers. And to that I would add what the Lord said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This history on Mount Carmel reminds us of choices to be urgently made and that numbers are not the determining factor. And then I want to point out about this contest on Mount Carmel. This was not a contest between two humans. It may appear that way on the surface, but not so. Elijah set up this contest, but it wasn't really between him and Ahab. It was between the reality of Almighty God and the non-reality or non-existence of Baal. Elijah said to Ahab and the prophets of Baal, bring your offerings and place them on the altar. And then ask Baal to ignite the altar with fire and see what happens. So back to our text. They took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. And there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and needs to be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Well, it was a failure obvious to all the witnesses, and we know why it was a failure. There is a perfect explanation over in Psalms 115, verse 6. An idol may have ears, but it cannot hear, and a mouth, but it cannot speak. It was a failure because Baal had no real existence, therefore no power to ignite fire. Elijah said, all right, Gather around. Back to our text. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descending from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood 
cut the bowl into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. No action from Baal. Extraordinary, visible, and powerful action from God, who ignited the offering, the altar, and the water around it. Everything consumed. Now, we may think those people had this visible, miraculous manifestation, surely they would respond immediately by no longer limping between two opinions. This was miraculous. Well, verse 39 is their confession. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Idolatry didn't go away in Israel, but at this point in time, God's power was obvious to these people. I think of something similar the resurrection of Christ from the dead. There were witnesses. He arose from the dead. Many confessed their faith on the day of Pentecost and obeyed the gospel, but sin continued, and the only way for sin to stop in the lives of individuals is to confess who Jesus is and the miracle of the resurrection and humbly submit yourself to him in obedience. I don't know exactly how many people made their confession of the miracle on Mount Carmel, and I have no way of knowing how they lived after they confessed that the Lord, he is God. But I know that today men have no more excuse than those who were witnesses on Mount Carmel. Jesus Christ is Lord. Any vain religious philosophy or idolatry to the contrary, Jesus Christ is Lord. God has made that plain to us, and the choice that saves us is the choice to hear, believe, and obey the gospel of Christ. These Old Testament stories speak to us, don't they? In, in different ways, with different themes and levels of interest. Some Old Testament events simply say to us <clears throat> what was said to the people of old, God is real. And what is not real cannot meet anyone's needs for spiritual wholeness. You may not hear about Baal these days, but there are so many people who will not take God seriously so many people attached to the things of this world are worshiping what isn't real, devoting their lives to the modern equivalents of Baal. This event on Mount Carmel, the event on Mount Carmel, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, 
with all the written testimony the Creator has given us. The message for us today is the Lord our God. He is one, He is real, He loves us, and sent His Son to draw us to Him and save us. We hope and trust your confession for life will be Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that that confession of faith will become the obedient life of a child of God cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for listening.